Welcome to the Phil and the Kid podcast. I'm Phil Gardner. And I'm Spiro Vrisellis. And today we're talking about renovation, the first R in Burr. Don't eat KFC three minutes before podcasting, kids. Just don't eat KFC in general. Or that. I mean, there's better food. The captain. Wait, no. Is he the captain? No, he's the colonel. The colonel. Wow. That's the captain. Fuck. <laughs> I'm thinking crunch, maybe. <laughs> what other food variety of military terms? Uh, Anyways. So today we're going to try our best to truck through this one. <laughs> <laughs> Just ate a full big, what is it called? Big, big box. Big box or whatever big garbage box. you were eating. Yeah, from KFC. It wasn't a good call. I, I tried going to Chick-fil-A. And yeah. uh, that was a, also a bad decision because there's nowhere <laughs> to park downtown Toronto. The traffic was ridiculous, and uh, it just wasted pretty much half an hour of my life driving around Young and Bloor. So walking only for Chick-fil-A. Yeah, walking only. So then I drove to the KFC there on Bloor and almost Christie area. and uh, Feed him for chicken. Oh, my God. It was just... Uh, I just kind of wish I didn't go. But... It, it was pretty tasty. I'm not going to lie. The Big Crunch, spicy Big Crunch solid. sandwiches yeah. are pretty good. Yeah, it is solid. I asked for a tender instead of a drum. What are they called? Drumstick. Mm, mm. And the tender was like two inches. It was, it was ridiculous. And There's uh, a joke in there that I'm going to leave alone. Yeah, it was just, you know what? Overall, I'm straight up not having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> this might be a rough podcast, but Spiro's okay. going to truck through. Yeah. So today... Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the first R in the Burr process, yeah, which is renovate, or you might have heard it as uh, rehab, rehab, in other circles, in other circles, <laughs> yes. Uh, so we're going to talk about that and uh, some of the things to look for, um, what to do to save money, how to kind of budget and uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first, Phil, how was uh, how was your week? It's been an, an eventful one. To be honest, I don't know if uh, those of you that might follow me on social media found out I, I posted it, and it must have been a couple days ago now. Some some guy, I'm assuming just some random account spammer, stole my face and all of my photos from my uh, my social media accounts and created another guy. What the hell is his name? Oh, uh, it's, it's in Beck, your chat. Something Beck. Beck. Mason Beck. Mason Beck, yes. I have an alternate personality out there that uh, Mason Beck that is scamming people off of Bitcoin, apparently named Mason Beck with my face all over it. We and went deep too into his account. Way more followers and than you. I, that's the embarrassing part. Guy's got like one hundred and forty-five thousand. I'm gonna say one hundred and forty-three thousand are probably bots. Yeah, that's just to keep my ego safe. Because <laughs> just for someone to steal my face and you know, beat, beat me on the follower count stings a little bit, but we got him taken down with like record time. Yeah. That I posted was really it and he was down on Facebook in I don't know, like half an hour. Yeah. I told, I told some people to report and they're like, Oh, it's not here anymore. And yeah. It was like an yeah. hour later. Yeah. It worked out, uh, worked out. Okay. Yeah. He still like de- He went back too. like, he had honeymoon photos. There's pictures of like just my wife on the account. There was content from our podcast yeah. that was like on the There's account. There's a picture of me, you and I, yeah. you and Simon eating ice yeah. cream. Yeah, Simon and I eating I've ice cream. I've never seen that photo. It, that's deep on my Instagram. Like we were doing property inspections one day, like just so deep, like two years ago probably. So who knows Jeez. how long my face was stolen for, but he's gone now. So that's that's good. That's so crazy. <laughs> it was so weird. 
Uh, that was like a buddy of mine just posted place. in a group, and he was like, uh, "Is this Phil? <laughs> uh, hey, bud, you should you should probably check that out." How did he find him? I think Facebook's algorithm must have saved my day here. He, he matched my face because he's fr- he's friends with me on Facebook, and it came up as like a "you should be friends with this person" or whatever that that feature is, because he has the exact same face <laughs> as one of your other friends. <laughs> No way. Does Facebook do that? Is I don't. That, I have no it idea. Could be. It was just in general because he had no other mutual connections, right? No mutual friends. So I don't know how that came up on his list, but I'm very glad it did. Um, what else happened? Oh, last night I got smoked on an offer. Big, uh, big learning lesson here. We we put the offer in. We were the only person on the table, and I was probably a little too cocky slash confident. Only person on the table. I expected if there was other people that were going to put in offers that I would, you know, hear back, be given the opportunity to increase our offer, given my conversation with the agent was, hey, this is a starting point, right? Um, I call, she, she kind of like dodged me for a little bit, called her back, finally got a hold of her, and they had already accepted another offer that was under what my client was willing to go to. Really? Yeah. And I was like, I, the first time ever I've actually like given someone shit on the phone. Like, it's like, dude, you knew I was going to go up. You knew that, what like, say? Uh, she, oh, sorry, it's already been accepted. It's, you know, conditional, come back if it falls apart kind of thing. So it is what it is. Some Big, agents are just so she, bad. It was just like, hey, quick quick and dirty, get the off. It's, it's, it's here now, right? Let me just take this offer and be done with it, probably. Um, uh, that, that's not what her happens, client's though. best interest, I'm sure, because I'm sure we would have gone higher than what they ended up selling for, but... I mean, big, big takeaway for me, right? I, I lost that, that offer from something stupid as I should have just followed up or been, you know, been there just in person there to present. Yeah, exactly. It's always best to just show up physically. Yeah. Um, and the, I mean, these clients now might take a back seat for another few months. So who knows if, uh, and that, that's, this will, this is one that's going to sit with me for a while. So good, good learning lesson. Yeah. Be up, be on top of things. If people aren't getting back to you. Stay, uh, you know, stay on top of them, especially if you've got a tight timeline coming up for uh for a deal but lessons aside what uh i think what did what did what was your week like my week uh pretty uh pretty you know the usual just client meetings um just getting my name out there more and more Mm -hmm. so it's pretty nice um i think the the previous you know couple months that we've had has been really really good for both of us i think um just getting our names out there showing everybody what we do and uh and just a different perspective on real estate. So uh, it's just, I think it's a nice fresh view and, mm-hmm. and it's just good going forward. I, I don't know. I, I'm just going to keep doing the same, same old things and uh, it's working. Why change and it? It's working. Yeah, exactly. And then I also went to my homecoming, uh, that which must was have been interesting. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, it was different for sure. You know, first homecoming actually not actually part of the school anymore right. as an alumni. Um, so that was pretty, that was pretty interesting. I mean, Definitely don't have the energy I used to. Um, <laughs> I, can't can't party know. like a rock star so much anymore. No, no, that's you know that was like four or five years ago. Now I'm uh, I'm retired from that. I'm just like a you know I was an old man. I, I wore my Laurier dad shirt, my Laurier Classic. dad sweater. Oh my god! So it was, it was fun though. It was nice. I saw a couple people, and they actually gave feedback on the podcast. Oh, that good. was the craziest thing. Yeah, they're like, "Hey, you, you have a podcast now," and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Wasn't even we made about it. That. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, I love real estate. And I was oh, like, okay, nice, okay, yeah, positive was, feedback. I yeah, it was it all positive. Like. Yeah. yeah, you know, there's a couple like, I haven't watched any yet, but I will. And I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to tell me that. <laughs> but yeah, so overall, it was, it was pretty fun. And uh, 
and uh yeah now now i'm just back to work again back to reality and yep. uh I'm, I'm pretty happy those days are those days are over for me you know you grow out of them pretty quick pretty, yeah if you you go hard in the first few it, it you get yeah. your you get it out of your system yeah i got my fix and now i'm just ready to work yeah. and hustle like it's i tough have to been. keep up with it is and then also uh so what happened what, what was that in the news just now there's a closing on the gardener Oh yeah, yeah. So the the Gardner Expressway, ugh, for people like me who have to travel, you know, up uh, York Region and beyond to see the folks, this is gonna suck. Uh, Gardner, as of I get yesterday when this launches, um, has a Jarvis, the Sherborne Jarvis exit going eastbound. Has to be one of the busiest. Yeah, it is closing. And yeah, exactly. That's the the last one before. Is it the on ramp too? I'm not sure if it's the on-ramp as well, the off-ramp for sure. And that's like that's the last one before you get off at uh like before you get off at the end of the gardener and have to turn around on Lakeshore kind of thing, yeah. right? Like that's uh that's the one that you people get on at Spadina and immediately line up to get right back off type yeah. of thing. Oh, and so for that to be closed, it's line. just going to be a gong show, I'm sure. And that's closed until they say spring 2020. So who we'll knows? See. Who knows when that's actually closed until? Yeah. So try to you know plan your routes around that. Yeah. No. For kidding. the next for the next <laughs> six to eight to twelve to twenty four months. <laughs> who knows? Really. Uh, hopefully it's not. Too, <laughs> hopefully it's not too long. Yeah. No kidding. All right. Let's jump into this. I'm gonna try to survive today. You can I'm make kind it. Of feeling it. We believe in you. I thought I had a couple heart attacks already. <laughs> Uh, I was feeling the chicken palpitations. <laughs> That's a new nickname. <laughs> All right. So, renovations. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we said in, what was it, episode four? Um, yes. Buying. Buying is, is practically the, the most important part, but you have to have every other part planned. Yeah. So, like, uh, like we stated previously, you know, your whole end goal is to repeat the process, which is the last R and Burr. Buying is going to allow you to repeat easier than anything else. But renovating has a lot to do with uh, renting. So if you renovate properly, uh, effectively, you minimize your costs, put the proper um, uh, things in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whatever it is, flooring, finishes, mm -hmm. et cetera. uh, Get the right people working on the project and really minimize your cost yeah once you rent you're gonna really reap the reward and then mm-hmm. you know the process goes on it also has a big impact on the next r in the refinance space it perspective as well right because if you kind of junk in gets junk out if you're if you're putting in quality materials into the right areas of the home without going too far beyond then you're really going to be able to maximize the value on the refinance side as well, as opposed to, you know, if you, you go and spend 200 grand in a renovation that could be 50, you're probably not going to get that back from your refinance, right? No. And to the, the same token, if you buy a complete shithole and you put in 10 grand, you're probably not going to change the value by much either if you're not doing, if you're just, you know, repainting the walls and changing some windows. Right? And actually, I think we see that a lot as realtors where the opposite, the first thing you said, where... Mm-hmm. Uh, people overspend a Big tremendous time. amount. Big time. So they'll buy a property, let's say it's uh, 900000 in a $1 million area, and they'll put you know $250,000 worth in it yep. and then try to sell it for $1.5, $1.6, but yeah. it only gets $1.1, $1.2 yeah, you're that. If you're already pushing the highest house on the street kind of thing, you can't go and make it the Taj Mahal and accept it to s- expect it to sell for Taj Mahal prices yeah, at exactly. Jane and Finch. No. Right? 
No. So so I, I think we see that a lot. I've seen that a lot lately. Yeah. And I think yeah. um, <clears throat> those end up sitting on the market for a long time. They, it, It's not a great idea to get into. I, not, I don't know. a good strategy. I don't if, know who gives them that because I, I think it's know. just people who – I think it's usually contractors or – uh, someone who's in the industry in some way and thinks yeah. they know a little bit more than they actually do. Could be those looking as like an end user as well, and they maybe the, it didn't work out and as well as they and they needed to, to exit in you know in a dire situation and trying to recoup their loss. Yeah. I've seen that happen with some some investors. Right, you overspend on all these different facets, and then you go and try and recoup your loss only to realize the market is not there to allow you to recoup mm-hmm. your loss. Yeah. So it sits and it sits and you just accumulate more loss as you're paying mortgage, paying utilities, yeah. all this stuff. The holding costs really kill you. Yeah. So, I mean, for some, I mean, when you get to that state, it's better to just kind of cut and run, move on to the next project and uh, kind of take your lumps. But I think the space where it is valid to go and put in, I don't know, whatever, 200,000, some, some investments are valid to do that, but... Let's call it a, a renovation that could be done for fifty. If you want to go and spend one hundred and fifty, two hundred, if you're going to live in the home, it's a totally different scenario, yes, right? Yeah. If you're going to be the one, if it's your actual family home, do whatever you want. If you're going to be there long enough to justify it, uh, whatever fit and finish, it's far more worth it to put that into to your own home that you actually care about. But we're you know we're talking strictly in terms of investments here, so there needs to be a line between where I'm budgeting and it's going to get get paid back yeah, for, yeah. for the renovation. Um, but I guess we can start with something a little bit more basic and talk about the few things that actually do add value or how, how we can add value to a home that's that's otherwise in pretty rough shape. Obviously, a huge part of the, the Burr method is being able to refinance a property uh, and pull money out. So we're t- always talking about properties that aren't in perfect condition, right? There's always going to be some way that we can add value meaning the property is probably not in the best shape, not in a shape that an end user would buy and move into because there's not really going to be a spread on that if we go and renovate those and just change, swap like for like. Those properties usually that you, you get that are turnkey or almost turnkey are more for investors that just want to buy, you know, a little piece of real estate, maybe mm-hmm. one unit, just kind of sit on it, yeah. uh, mainly for appreciation gains in the long run. Yeah. You're not really looking for much cash flow or anything. You probably already have a stable job probably have a steady passive income already and other sources and you're just kind of buying it sitting it sitting on it uh minimizing your headaches in any sense mm-hmm. and uh you know you get your tenant in it's probably a good quality tenant because it's all renovated nicely and you just sit and wait and wait that's it where where you really reap the large reward is when you get those fixer uppers those shithole yeah. homes that you find with you know you can re- you can really add some you know repair a yeah. lot, update a lot, and really add some value. I was going to say with a dead body that was in it for <laughs> three three months. I think three was months. another pro- another property. We'll do some videos on that one yeah, shortly. That will come soon. I'm not looking forward to <laughs> that to be honest. I <laughs> right in time for Halloween. It. I was thinking about it before I was going to bed yesterday. I was like, oh, uh, I don't you know, want bring some sage and whatever. I'm going to bring a cross. <laughs> I'm bringing a cross. I hope you know on the video you will see me I've, holding a cross oh, in every dear. room. What else is there? What else do you need to bring? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get back to the subject here. So you Adding want to add value. value. Yes. So keeping in mind, these are all going to be fixer-uppers of some variety, right? So the things that we're typically going to... My my biggest thing, and I think I mentioned this on the last one, and you hear Brendan Turner mention this on the, the Bigger Pockets podcast often, 
is adding living space where there wasn't any. And I'm not talking about, not living space, sorry, but like bedroom space. Not talking about doing an addition to to add on square footage to the home. But let's say a lot of these properties nowadays downtown will have a dining room and a living room. And most homes typically don't have, like that dining room set just sits there yeah. for two, three, four times a year maximum that get used when all the family yeah, comes Yeah, maybe holiday. Yeah, so it, it's, it. it's otherwise a dead space. And we're talking about a city like Toronto where square footage is kind of a commodity. At being able to take an underutilized room and turning that into a bedroom uh, can add a lot of value because you can then, especially because a lot of our tenants are going to be like groups of friends. Yeah. You have another friend that can move in. That's another eight hundred bucks that someone can can pay because I mean, oh, it's huge! It's huge. massive by by what? Throwing up some two by fours, some drywall, and a door, right? It, you recover the cost in practically a month. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that that is one of the biggest value adds from a rental renovation perspective. Something to be cautious about because when you do go, some banks, some appraisers, if you are going to go and just cram a bunch of bedrooms in a home, they're not going to look so kindly on that. So, I mean, my, my line is usually four and below, typically three upstairs, maybe one could be bedroom on the main floor, add maybe some, uh, some, you know, what, what are they called? French doors open to the living room and the dining room and a separate door on the dining room. So if somebody wants to use it as a fourth bed, they can, if they want to use it as a dining room, they could also do that. I'm a big fan of adding flexibility. Yeah. The three bedroom plus one. Exactly. I'm a huge fan of adding flexibility into spaces. Mm -hmm. So like if you have three tenants, but they want the open space. They just leave the doors open. Exactly. If you have someone who wants to use it as a bedroom, I'm not going to hold that against them And then them you either. charge a flat rate of whatever and it would be for the four rooms. Exactly. Except. We're not doing it by bedroom, right? We're just going to exactly. we're going to base yeah. the price off of a little bit higher. And we do the same thing with like a lot of basements have this is where you'll have one proper bedroom with window and closet, etc. And then this one little dinky space that's maybe like eight feet by nine feet, but it doesn't have a window or something. You can't really call it a bedroom, but I'll call it a den and price it up a little bit, knowing full well someone's going to use it as a bedroom because that's just how competitive things are in the in the Toronto rental space. So aside from and that that's a big value add for the, from a rental perspective, right? Yeah. Not such a huge value add from the refinance perspective. Um, when we're talking about things to do for the refinance, it's typically the same things you would do. To, if you're going to go list your home and it's to, and it's in rough shape and you want to get top dollar for it, right? Your kitchens and your bathrooms are almost always going to be the biggest return. They could also be the biggest expense if you're not paying attention and you get some crazy custom kitchen in a rental where you don't need one, right? So we're, we're typically getting, I mean, you could do a Home Depot, Ikea kitchen, no problem. A lot of our contractors do the kitchen construction themselves, so it keeps the cost down. So what we'll do is a pretty basic, like Home Depot slash Ikea level kitchen in terms of cabinets, but with a, a quartz countertop and an undermounted sink uh, for the kitchens. What that does is it, A, it classes it up a little bit, right? So you're, you're now a, a hair above, in terms of finish quality, the majority of the available rentals on the market, but also far more durable than the, the crap countertops that you'll, uh, you'll pick up from other places that aren't a stone variety, yeah. right? They're going to last you a lot longer. They're going to look a lot better. And honestly, the cost isn't that much more unless you're doing some gigantic kitchen, right? Yeah, if you think about it, you're probably going to have to replace your wooden countertops mm-hmm. or whatnot every little while if you're going to try to get that top dollar for rent. Yeah. If, you don't, if you're not looking for top, do- 
dollar, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. But I mean, it's always good, especially in Toronto where there's so much competition. You always want to be a little bit nicer. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like what you said with the bedroom thing and refinancing. I mean, if you're in a student, uh, you know, town, mm-hmm. uh, again, I always go back to like a Waterloo, Windsor area. Yep. Um, you just want practically as many bedrooms as you can. It, it, you really don't care about anything else. You mm-hmm. have a small living room, a kitchen, and as many, you know, right. nine by nine spaces, <laughs> 10 by 10 spaces yeah, as possible. Wherever someone can stick a bed and a dresser. A bed and a dresser, yeah. literally. Yeah, you just stick two and three in the basement, you know, four or five upstairs, yeah. good to go. So it's a little bit different, again. Um, when, when you look at Toronto, which is where we like to focus GTA, mm-hmm. it is a little bit different than those areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what goes along with kitchens is the bathrooms, right? You can do a nice bathroom, like, refin. A lot of the places we were purchasing already have bathrooms in place, at least two out of the three in most cases. Um, but when we're talking about bathrooms, we're just going to rip and refinish more or less everything in there. Uh, 12 by 24 porcelain tile is not that much more expensive than 12 by 12 ceramic tile, and it classes it up quite a bit. Exactly, Tiles are one of the best add, add values, I mm-hmm. think because it's such a small cost in comparison. Yeah. It's a couple more, what is it, $100, a couple, few hundred dollars, yeah. maybe a grand, not, e- not even. Nah, not even. And you get really nice tiles so that the potential tenants walk in and they look at Yeah, you just want that wow, right? Like, that that wow factor awesome. when they first walk in. Same thing, little things like mirrors too. You spend an extra 20 bucks and you get one that's far nicer. Uh, light fixtures is another one. We use a lot of these like, LED domes nowadays that throw off a ton of light or LED pot lights kind of just thrown everywhere. So they don't overheat like the old school ones. You don't have to replace the bulbs at like 15 bucks a piece, right? And it's uh, kind of a cleaner light. Those are some other common things that we throw in. Um, In terms of like flooring, painting, like we're always patching and painting everything anyways because the homes are usually in pretty rough shape. Might as well too. Yeah, exactly. No no point not to. Yeah, and for... uh, for the flooring, we're usually nowadays we're doing like a, a vinyl laminate or like a vinyl plank floor that looks like a looks like a wood laminate flooring, um, but it is far more durable, right? It, you spend a, a hair more, probably like 30 percent more at most on the on the flooring itself, like the material. But let's say if you had a flood in your basement or a tenant drops a you know have a, has a party, someone spills a beer and forgets to clean it up, right? That happens on a laminate floor. That floor is going to bubble just because you went with, you know, the, the cheaper floor, but you now have to go and replace a whole section of it, right? It also scratches a lot easier. That vinyl floor, we've had units in the basement that have flooded a foot of water. We've had to replace drywall and baseboards and everything else. As soon as it was dry, the floor was just fine again, right? The, the flo- those, those floors are like indestru- floor. indestructible. <laughs> so we put those basically everywhere nowadays because just because of the durability and they look nice right they do great great floor great paint we're kind of like just condo finish everything white bathroom white kitchen gray floor gray paint pot lights everywhere um and just from that cosmetic perspective it's not that expensive to to hit that line so long as you don't get crazy and go above and beyond with you know expensive individual light fixtures and some fancy taps and those types things of things you don't right? need at all. Things exactly that you don't need, things that the tenants aren't going to look at. Those are end user items. Precisely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah, not for rentals. Yeah. So other things, what else are you going to be doing in a in a renovation? There are some stuff that is mandatory or stuff that you should certainly consider doing that could potentially cause you 
longer term headaches that might not be a value add. Things like your furnace, your your roof, your windows, uh, what else? Your AC foundation, units, foundation. A lot of these homes, especially in Toronto, right? They're going to be a hundred years old. So either at some point in their past they had a, a leak and that's already been addressed, or it's coming up, right? And that's one of those things that we have our inspectors take a pretty close look at with their, what do you call it, the humidity meter and stuff yeah, to see yeah. how much moisture is really making into the basement. The last thing I want to see someone do is spend $30,000 to renovate a basement, put a tenant in, you know, April hits, you have some weird snow and then some weird rain and then a massive flood in the basement because you didn't take the precautions to waterproof it, right? Then all of your hard work is for naught and you've got to spend to repair all of it all over again. It's, it's always just, worth just doing it, right? At the beginning. Yeah. It's, it's a cost that it's Unless what, you, like 10, 15 grand? If that. And you know, a lot of, yeah, a lot of the homes, you're, you're somewhere between eight and 12, probably eight and 12. For, for waterproofing exterior, yeah. like at least one, one and a half, one to two walls. And, uh, like it's, it's one of those costs that unfortunately you won't recoup on your refinance, right? It's not something an appraiser looks at and says, Ooh, pretty waterproofing, but which probably should be, but <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> makes sense. But at the same time, it's protecting your investment, right? Yeah. And the same, same items like furnace AC, those aren't things that are going to increase the value of the home, but if one of those things goes out in the middle of the winter, it's going to be a bit of a pain to go back and take care of it kind of on the spot where if you knew you needed to repair it ahead of time, could have just been done in the initial renovation. Uh, roof, same idea. Windows, same idea. Last thing you want to do is not pay attention to those. And again, you could have a leak, uh, and that's, again, going to damage your nicely finished interior. Right. The best way to think about it is, you want to fix everything that you know needs fixing mm -hmm. before any tenants are in, before yeah. you're making any money off of it, and just do it right away. Yeah. The less headaches you have going forward or your property manager has going forward, the better your investment is. Yeah, get it all done up front and let it just kind of coast from exactly. coast from there. And let, let the property do the work after that. Yeah. And let your money make more money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And then what else we talked? So... Budgeting is also important, right? So this is one of those things that you could take care of ahead of time or you could take care of after the fact. And I could tell you what, I mean, I'm sure you can all guess which one is more important, like which one you should do. Yeah. Uh, typically when we're making offers for clients, we're putting in, A, you might have an inspection clause, right? Uh, but B, we're typically putting in multiple visits. So you should be lining up, using those visits, lining up your contractor, to get started figuring out your scope of work, how much work you want to be doing with the property before you close, right? Or else you're just going to delay this entire process, pay carrying costs for no, no good reason. Uh, if you're going to be starting all that scope of work creation, quoting it out after you close, then let's say your contractors are busy because if it's a good contractor, typically they're not going to be available right this moment. So you could end up paying your, you know, costing yourself another two, three months. I'm just holding an empty property. Yeah, that's just exactly. There. That's never a good feeling. No, never no. a good feeling when the property's sitting there and draining you instead of paying you. Right? Exactly, and and that's well, that's extremely important. I think is taking be, being an, uh, proactive mm -hmm. and just getting that done first, which is something that we uh, will help our clients with. I mean, I think you've always advised your clients to do that. Yes, and show them how. I mean, yeah, I usually I usually help them make the scope of work. Yeah, and line exactly. up the contractors, line up things. contractors, handymen, whatnot mm -hmm. to kind of go in there, give a little bit of a quote. Then you know what to look for, yeah. and then budget roughly ten to twenty percent 
extra. Yeah, there's there's I've never seen a renovation stay on budget. Right, no. there's always something that pops up when you open the walls. So I, I think a good margin is usually ten to twenty percent, depending on the size of the project, to to budget in for just that contingency for those things that could go wrong and inevitably, unfortunately, will go wrong or will pop up on your project. Right, especially if you're running it on a real tight margin and you know you might be, uh, you know, pretty close to your capital limit make sure you build yourself in a cushion, right? Because the, the worst thing, and we've seen these, is to have a property that you can't finish renovating and it's just going to sit there. And that's, God, God forbid that ends up happening. Oh, that's the <laughs> worst. Because those, those hit the market. They've got like open permits, some violations, sitting Nobody there half them. renovated. And you got to pay cash kind of thing if they've got open permits and violations. It's just a bit of a, bit of a headache. So yeah, you want to be avoiding that. Budgeting obviously. is so important. Huge. I mean, in the whole process from buying to all the rest i mean if you don't budget properly this isn't this isn't the game for you no exactly and uh another one being like if you are lucky enough some people will go firm on deals i you know again wouldn't suggest it unless you really know your stuff um but typically you're going to have let's say a five five day condition as an example on inspection try is just kind of a little pro tip try and line up your contractor and your inspector to go at the same time and prepare at least a rough scope of work to go with, you know, to go with them uh, so that your contractor can give you a ballpark estimate before you firm up on the property, right? It's uh, at least, and that way you can, or if something, if your inspector, let's say, finds something during the, uh, during the inspection, then your contractor is at least there to give you a kind of a quick off the top estimate so you can go back and negotiate on that, right? Worst thing to do is not have your numbers, you know, know your numbers in a, in a pretty firm way and then go firm up on the property and then find out later that your your construction budget is going to be double what you expected, right? And a lot of times... Then you're locked. Well, I don't want to say a lot of times, but uh, it's definitely a possibility that when once you do find something that wasn't known prior, so, you know, the sellers didn't know there was this sort of issue, mm-hmm. whether it be uh, old insulation or a leaky basement or whatnot... Uh, and you do have a deal in place, you can go back and renegotiate. Say, hey, listen, we're going to have to spend 10 grand now on this. Yeah. Let's lower the price by 10 grand or let's lower the price by eight grand. Maybe there's some flexibility there. The seller might think, okay, look, all the paperwork's here. There is an issue on our property yep. and now it's known. Okay, here, that's, take that's a big thing, right? Off. Especially if the seller wasn't aware of it before and you, through your inspection, have made them aware of it. Depending on what type of defect that is on the property, they might have to be informing everybody of that now right exactly so they've put a black spot on the property so they're they're more inclined to negotiate with you and just get the deal done than to have to go back and explain that problem to everybody and this else. is all by being proactive taking the right mm-hmm. measures beforehand before you firm up yeah and you're already you know set in place for any hiccup mm-hmm. that's right so i mean another another big thing worth mentioning when it comes to contractors and handyman and those that are going to do your renovation. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people have heard this elsewhere as well is kind of like the contractor or tradesman or whatever trifecta of, uh, quality speed and price. And it's more or less, you get, you get to pick two, right? So if you're paying nothing or if you're paying very little compared to the market price for a, a construction budget, Expect that the contractor might be quick uh, and they might be cheap, but the work might not be held up to the greatest standard. And that could be fine for your rental property 
it's likely, very likely that you're going to have to stay on top of that contractor quite a bit. And it's very likely that that's probably not a contractor that you might want to use for your own home or maybe not in general at all, depending on, you know, how, how large of a project you're going to be doing. And to the, to the same token, if, uh, you know, if a guy's cheap, but he's got quality, don't expect him to be fast. And if he's fast and he's high quality, he's probably got a big team, a good system in place. He's been doing it for a while and he's probably not the cheapest guy on the market. Everyone's at a different stage and I'm not saying, you know, any combination of those two is incorrect for your property. You know, I, I have been known to like using the cheap, quick guys sometimes, <laughs> but it, it, everyone's got a place, right? For every size, every style of project, every contractor has a, has a place. So just one of those one of those things to be aware of. Always see the previous work of, uh, of a contractor, especially if you don't know them or they're not coming from a recommendation. Um, always get a, you know, a solid estimate on paper as well as a timeline for the, uh, for the, con- for the, the renovation. Yeah, Sorry. and little tips are to price out each individual project that the contractor is going to be doing. So ask, ask for specifics when you do uh, get quotes from contractors. If they're looking at the washroom and they, you, you, know, you need to rip out the shower, tell them how much is that going to cost? How much is the tiling going to cost? How much is the new tub going to cost? How much is the floor going to cost? How much is that new mirror going to cost? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, being, I'm just making up things yeah, you might here, You might drive some people crazy if you went into that detail. Yeah. I know a lot of contractors that would turn around and walk away. <laughs> if you're like, tell me how much the mirror... Yeah, okay, each maybe not light, the mirror. I mean, each pot light's actually justified, but like, how much is the tap... And how much is yeah, okay. the faucet? There, there and, are some you know, things the, that the but shower head, but you have to remember this investment is the most important thing you're ever going to do, especially if it's your first. Yes, because that's that's I don't want to say make or break because you you learn your lesson and, and there are ways to recover the money and you can sell and start fresh. Mm-hmm. But the first one could make this process way faster if your first goes well, which. A lot of times it doesn't if you're not informed properly. But if you do take the right measures and yep. make sure everything's going well, your second will come a lot faster. Nine yeah. to 12 months, maybe two years. That's still very fast for another property. Yeah. If it doesn't go well and you don't budget these things, and maybe you do give your contractors a lot of slack, like yeah. do whatever you want. Oh, how much is the overall price? I mean, that's great if, if you're like they're like, oh, yeah, it'll cost you 30 grand for everything. Well, then... Don't be surprised when you're actually paying sixty grand when it's all done, mm-hmm. because they're like, "Oh, this came up, this and came then this up, came and up, this and, came and then up. And you're like, I had no clue." When you tell them to go into each individual room and say, "This is what I'm going to be doing here, roughly." I mean, it's not perfect again, but you don't have to be as detailed as I said. But yep. again, if you ask for certain things and they provide you those certain things beforehand, you can always go back to them and say, "Hey, why did this cost triple the amount you said before?" And if they don't have a good reason, then they're probably not a great contractor. <laughs> if they have a good yeah. reason, if they're like, oh, this happened and then we found this, you can go, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's worth it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, it could, especially going forward, if you plan on using a contractor again for another job, yep. it's a great way to sort of narrow down your playing field and find the people that you're going to want to work with in the long term. Yeah. So right now, uh, our team has a few contractors that we use in handymen uh, that, you know, we've done our research on yep. uh, but going forward you know always looking for more and, mm-hmm. and growing that portfolio that's what you get when you choose a team of investor agents yes. uh, for the most part i mean it always helps too when you look on your own but uh, it's nice to have like, a place that we can refer you to as well mm-hmm. yeah I got maybe a couple other things to add to that uh, you know pricing out certain items if let's say you're pushing the upper limits of your budget and they've you're able to to block out a few specific items. It can help you if the the quote comes in high. 
tailor down a little bit to me to maybe you know or you could refer with your agent to say or whoever's going to guide you through the renovation to say hey maybe i'll, I'll pull this item out because it's not going to add as much value but it's costing x so i you know if i don't have the full budget maybe i'll just leave that one out and i'll do that later or something something like that right and um to oh my gosh totally blanked <laughs> yep Totally lost it. <laughs> oh my god, I'm the one with the it's, itis it's right now. It's been a it's been a day. Yeah. No, you carrying said carrying on. <laughs> All right. Well, no, it was about individual pricing, and uh, oh and yes, yeah, yeah, okay. Changing. So con- certain contractors, if you're working with a quality contractor, and this is something that I would recommend everyone put together a good contract for, um, go in with a set price for a set scope of work and a set timeline in mind, if anything is going to vary from that, so let's say you made it from a $30,000 contract to $60,000 somehow, you always want to have some paper trail, right? There needs to be a change order if the contractor goes up and says, oh, hey, I open up this wall. It's got knob and tube. We need to replace knob and tube throughout the entire house. It's going to cost you 10 grand. Okay, that's great. I want it on paper. I agree to the price, et cetera, et cetera. So this is going to cost me X. Nobody should ever be surprising you at the end of a project with, a double bill or something along those lines, right? If it's minor stuff, a couple hundred bucks here and there, I usually let it slide. But for anything major that pops up mid-project, there should be a change order, some type of paper trail. And uh, yeah. It covers both of you. It covers it, the exactly. contractor and yourself. And if the contractor is going and repairing stuff and it's not part of the original contract, you could just say, hey, I'm not paying for it, right? Any any smart contractor is going to want to cover themselves, at the same time. I mean, I don't recommend doing that to your no, contractor. Don't, don't no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> not a good <laughs> I mean, way. To... I'm saying it's an option. I'm not saying it's a good one that you should uh, exercise. No. And then there's also different ways of paying your contractor. So what do you like to do? Do you pay? How much do you pay up front or how much do you pay halfway through? What What do you usually? Um, a lot of guys will say, hey, can I get 50% up front? I have heard of so many people getting burned that way. Yeah. Like, especially I've heard of people doing like top ups and paying them 200 grand up front. <sighs> Don't ever do that. <laughs> that sounds that, like a terrible that's idea. That's how the contractor gets really incentivized to be a really shitty person and walk away with all your money. Um, I typically start with, I know they need to buy a lot of materials up front, right? Having worked with so many, you understand the bulk of a project comes when all the material or the bulk of the cost comes when a lot of the material has to be purchased. So I try to kind of tailor along with that, maybe 25% up front uh, so that they can really, really get started. And then the way, depending on the size of the project, you can break it out to stages. Like if you're having it inspected, let's say, hey, when I pass the framing stage, hey, when I pass the plumbing stage, I can do another payment. And I like to hold a good bulk for the end as well for, um, let's say, you know, let's say 20%. Something that's enough to incentivize the guy not to just leave your project and say this 20% isn't worth it. Let me go on to another project where I can start making all those payments all over again, right? Uh, if it's a smaller project, sometimes I'll just go week by week, noting, you know, knowing that, hey, the plumbing might not happen at the same time as the framing in this part of the house. So, so long as I still see progress every week, I'm okay to keep paying it, but I want to see progress of some variety. Uh, but the the two two most important things being, don't pay too much up front, uh, ju- and that's just to be keep yourself safe, and save enough at the end that it's you know incentivizing enough for them to finish the project and finish it properly. Like when I'm when I'm talking about final payment, I've you know in most cases the contractor has already said, "Hey, I'm finished," and then I'm going to go back to the property, do a gigantic walkthrough, 
you know, put sticky notes all throughout the house where I think it might not be done to my expectation or certain things that might have been left off as I cross-check through the list of the, the original scope of work. And then I provide them with what's called a punch list and essentially a list that needs to be completed before their final payment, right? Um, you want enough incentive left in, the, left in the deal, left in the contract for them to complete that final payment or for them to complete that list of work to earn that final payment. And as you said too, it all starts and ends with that list. Yeah. You want that list from the beginning. And that's why yes. it makes sense to go in and tell them, I want you to look at this, 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 mm-hmm. or ask them, tell me everything you see. Yeah. If you see anything, write it down. Yep. And, it, and a good contractor, I mean, I don't know if all handymen would do it because a lot of the time you're paying for the difference in handyman and contractor. Yeah. Um, contractors usually have more licensing, um, are, uh, I don't want to say more qualified because I mean, I think feel like that's a little bit subjective. It's, it's so easy to get a general contractor yeah, license or whatever it is. It's whatever. Toronto. Yeah, it's it, whatever qualified. But you know, you can have a handyman that's been in the business for thirty years and knows yeah. what they're doing. But at the same time, you have that extra qualification, mm-hmm. and uh, sometimes there's teams with it, so the prices are different. Yeah, you I get think the term handyman is a little more small scale usually, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe just for quick fixes here and there. Typically, yeah. the projects that we're talking about in the in this burr maybe a little bit too big. Or like a, a one-man show handyman kind of thing, so I, I probably wouldn't be hiring a handyman off Kijiji kind of for a you know fifty thousand dollar project. No, no, it might end up taking you a whole year, <laughs> and so that's you know the the price might be there. The save see the back to the triangle. The price might be there. The quality might even be there, but the speed is going to be hugely impacted. And when you're paying the mortgage every month without tenants in the place, that stings, right? Yeah, the speed speed's pretty important when you're trying to. Uh, get an investment going. Yeah. So, what are what's your opinion on giving bonuses or deductions on on quotes? Um, I don't really. I've never really experienced bonuses. I know some guys will like bring a contractor into as part of the project. You know, from a an equity stake if they're doing like flips and things. Not something that I've exper- experimented with yet. Um, from a deduction standpoint, I like having it in a contract as uh as you know a form of recourse if need be and it usually ties with hey what's your expected completion date what's you know i'll give you a couple week buffer after the completion date i'm not you know Mm -hmm. i'm usually pretty flexible um and then after that let's say you're really going long and it has nothing to do with me or changes obviously if changes happen to the project or i change my mind on something and i'm the cause or the property is the cause of the delay uh, you can't hold that against somebody, no. right? But if the contractor, the contractor's team, something about their company is the cause for the delay and it goes kind of beyond my grace window, if you will, there's usually a, a stipulation built in. I can't even remember what it's called at this point. Um, I mean, it's been a while since I've had to exercise one, but a stipulation built in where you could charge back or deduct your carrying costs. Uh, for that period of time, right? And I, I think that is a is a fair recourse to have. I don't like using them if I don't have to, right? But it's it's good to know that's there, and it's a good uh, you know it's a good good more of an incentive for your contractor to you know stay on stay on task. Right? Yeah, and and the same goes with uh, the bonuses. Um, mm-hmm. There there are ways of you know having it in the contract where if they finish two weeks early and everything's good they get you know some sort of extra mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be you a could crazy just revert amount, like you yeah, could do the same thing it. in reverse hey i saved x on my carrying cost because you finished sooner here's your money so here's a bonus yeah and and, uh, and it does give that extra 
incentive for contractors to maybe finish early or at least finish on time. Yeah. If they get the extra, you know, maybe 5%, maybe it's 3%, maybe whatever it it's is. It's just nice, right? It's just nice. It's like a nice gift. And, and hopefully it makes them want to finish, try to finish two weeks early so that when they do go late by two weeks, it's on mm-hmm. time. And, uh, and, and that really helps out in the end. Yeah. Another, another little random pro tip, pay your contractors quickly. Don't pay them two weeks after they're owed their money. If the stage has been completed uh, or if the contractor is like, hey, change order, I could use some cash for this or whatnot or any. I mean, this goes for anything, not just in the middle of a large renovation, right? If a contractor goes and repairs some plumbing item at your house or some HVAC item and they send you an invoice, pay it right away. Contractors love to know. I mean, anybody, really. Any, anybody, anybody likes to when you when you send them an invoice that it's paid immediately, you are. I don't know what it is about, you know, human psyche, but you just end up being top of their list. If you call that person later, they know you're, you're the more guy reliable. Yeah. Yeah. You're the reliable guy that's going to pay them quick once the job is done. I don't need to chase you. It doesn't need to take up my brain space to go and follow up on that invoice. Um, no hassle. Yeah. You just exactly. get your money and pay them, pay want. them quick and they will stick with you. And right? especially at the beginning, like you said, when yeah. they're going to have to be spending a lot of money, maybe even personally buy all those objects that they need of course buy all the materials yourself yeah and that if they can't afford it or if they can't you know if they're midway through a couple projects and they're expecting a payment from you you're gonna end up holding up your own project yeah so so even take that initiative at the beginning look at everything they need price Mm -hmm. it out with them and see and then say okay write them a check here you go get all this stuff now there's no excuses they have all the materials needed I mean, they're probably going to need more as time comes up, yep. but at least they have the bulk right away and the other costs aren't so much so that even they'll be more incentive. What was the word? Incentivized. Incentivized, <laughs> incentivized to go and just grab yeah, that extra that chicken coming mm, back. Yeah. The chicken's <laughs> really hitting hard now. <sighs> cool. Was that, uh, I, I'm sure there's much more. Yeah, I mean, you could go on and on and on for hours about construction. I mean, yeah, and it would definitely gritty, be more but detailed. I think we, we <clears throat> definitely covered the, the important bits, right? Make sure you're adding value to the right spaces in the right ways, value that you're going to be able to recoup on your refinance. Don't over-renovate. Nope. You're not, do not put do in not. gold door handles. I mean, Trump not, toilets, gold right. Trump toilets. Yeah, a- exactly. Don't put in the useless stuff that's not going to be, you know, value add for you. No. Repair the stuff that needs to be repaired that might not be a value add if it's things that could come back and bite you later, like uh, roof or foundation that might leak, those types of things. Put in durable materials. Quartz countertops aren't that scary. Vinyl flooring is totally worth it. Uh, make sure you've got a contingency in your budget and make sure you find the right contractor and follow and stay on top of your project. It's not your contractor's job to manage your project responsibility should always lie with you as the owner, right? And that's pretty much it for, you know, the high, the high level of, uh, of the first R in, in the Burr process. Uh, next time we jump into the joys of renting. <laughs> that's a that's a spicy one we'll for have me. some uh, horror stories oh, in sure yeah oh yeah i've got i've got tons of horror stories <laughs> <laughs> not from you from other people yeah though. of course <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so yeah thanks for thanks for uh, tuning in again um you know where to find me spiro Vrisales at spiro Vrisales, spirovrisales.com uh linkedin spiro Vrisales. it's pretty much just my name if you know how to spell it yeah. you know how to find me yeah, you're uh, you're not the most common name, so it's no. you know you can you can rank on Google pretty easily. I'm pretty sure I'm the only Spiro Rosales in the world. 
Uh, probably. Well, my grandpa was Super Solace. We gotta find this out. We have to Google this afterwards. I'm pretty sure I am. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll figure it out. We'll update you next time. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at the same, more or less the same places, philgardner.ca, philgardner on Facebook, uh, Mason Beck apparently on Facebook <laughs> as well. No, don't look that up. <laughs> apparently he doesn't exist anymore. Fuck Mason Beck. Um, <laughs> philg.re on, uh, on Instagram, and then, uh, and then all of our Phil and the Kid uh, on, on YouTube. Yeah, follow the podcast. Yeah. At Phil and the Kid. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment. Hashtag P-A-T-K, baby. There you go. All See right. you guys next week. I think we're done. Yep. You can find us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and now Spotify. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>